morning. Oh, that sounded much better for a crisp fall day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad. And if any kids would like to sing, they're welcome. Come on up. This is the day. This is the day. That the Lord has made. Welcome to our church. We have a gift for our visitors at the Connection site. Please fill out your friendship card for any prayers or concern, or just so we can get to know you. It is fun to be part of a welcoming committee here at Hamilton Center. We are glad to have you this morning, and we thank you for filling out your friendship card. On the clipboards, the ministry opportunities are actually very similar. We're doing dinners in Niagara Falls, and we're doing dinners to help the people in Buffalo. And by the way, we're also collecting for Thanksgiving baskets. We're going to do 60 of those. So we've got a lot of things we're collecting for right now to help with food. So if you can help with that, that would be greatly appreciated. I want to mention a little odd thing. I have two freshly cut Christmas trees sitting in the side of my yard. If anybody wants one, I know it's early, but you can have them for free. I just cut them yesterday. So they're just sitting there. And anybody takes them, they're gone. First come, first serve. We are glad to have you here in worship this morning. Let's join together in prayer. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for the blessings you give to us, and we pray that you'll pour your spirit down upon us, that you'll touch us in each and every way that we might experience the living God in this place. Bless us in what we hear, what we say, what we sing, what we do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we're going to sing together, God of the Ages. Thank you. 
with you. Take a moment, if you will, and greet your neighbor with the peace of the Spirit. Good morning. How are you all doing today? That's good. Do you have any idea what these are? Leaves. Leaves. And where did the leaves come from? The ground and the trees. You're absolutely right. Both are right. Originally, they came from trees, but, but I got them off the ground. Okay? Do you, do you know we call this time of the year, what do we call it? Fall. Why do you think we call it fall? Because we think the leaves fall off, but they don't fall off. Did you know that? The trees push them off. Did you know that? The trees push the leaves off. In fact, if you were to cut a... That's right. Because if you cut a branch like a month ago and the leaves are still on it, the leaves wouldn't come off. They'd stay on there. The trees push them off, just like you said, to save energy because they want to take a nap. Did you know that trees like to rest? They get tired of working all summer long, making all those leaves, all that shade, doing all that kind of growing stuff that they do. So they want to take a nap. And when they take a nap, they get stronger. That's why the wood that comes from our part of the country is much better, much stronger wood than the wood that comes in the south where the trees just grow all the time. Yeah. Today's a day that um, we talk about people who have, have passed away. Some people think that they've actually died, but actually they're resting. They're resting for a day when God's going to wake them up. If we keep our hearts with God, all we do is just take a nap, and then we wake up in a wonderful, glorious time where we live again in a great way for a new life to begin, all right? So fall reminds us of that, that sometimes we take a rest, but God wakes us up just like he wakes up the trees in the spring so that we can live again, all right? What are you guys thankful for this morning? If you want to share something, raise your hand. Family, the hermit crab, mom and dad. I love my mom and dad. My sisters, my sisters and brother. Friends and family. All right. Anybody else? Okay. Let's pray. Oh, one more. Way back there. <laughs> <laughs> Great, great, great. <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you for the great blessings you give to us. We thank you for crabs and crabby people, and we thank you for people who have turned 50 and people who are just turning a little bit. We thank you for our family and friends, and we thank you for the new life you give to us. Bless us today and always in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you guys go out to church school. All the kids are welcome and invited to go out to church school now. This morning in your bulletin, you have a, we have a mission moment. It's about uh, veterans, helping our veterans in our area, the homeless veterans, those who need job training, all the various things that go in to helping people and assisting in our immediate neighborhood. So if you'd like to help the veterans who've served our country, you can do so with today's extra offering. Thank you. It is such a blessing to be here. It is such a blessing to gather together and worship God has blessed us so abundantly with so much in our lives. Let's bring our gifts, tithes, and offerings before God as an offering.
Dear Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for this day and for the opportunity to gather and worship you, to be able to give a small portion back to your work of all that you have blessed us with. Lord, we pray that you would bless this offering, and especially, Lord God, that offering that is going to work for helping our veterans, Lord, and their families. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would bless all of the gifts that you have given us as we offer them up to you. We know that you are the one who has given them. We just ask that you would give us also wisdom to know how to use all of this for the furtherance of your kingdom to draw many to salvation in Jesus Christ. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We do have the joy this morning of honoring um, all of those um, who are veterans, who are part of our congregation, who have served to protect this nation and to defend this nation. We are so grateful for your service. If you would please stand and be recognized this morning by the congregation, all those who have served in the armed forces. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. We are grateful. We are grateful for your service and we are grateful for the support of your families um, for your work as you have, as you have gone and, and done that. We're grateful for all of the blessings we enjoy in this nation and that we can be kept safe and at peace. We also, um, along with our, our joys and all of the concerns in our hearts, want to keep Pete Lasea with lifted up. He's having some health concerns. We want to pray for healing for him and for all of the blessings and all of the um, concerns that are in your hearts, we're going to turn to the Lord in prayer. You are welcome to join me in prayer, either from your seat or standing or kneeling with me at the prayer rail. You're welcome. Gracious Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to come before you. To know that you are the God who hears and answers prayer and that you call us as your people to listen to what the Spirit puts on our hearts. That we may join together with you in transforming this world. Father, we pray in Jesus' name now for all of those who are sick and in need of a healing touch, whether it is in their spirits or their souls or their bodies. Father, we pray that you touch them and bring them wholeness and health from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet. Be with them, Lord. Bring wisdom to their doctors and nurses and other health professionals, to their loved ones as they care for them. Bring them wisdom, Lord God, as they care for themselves and take care to guard the precious gift of life that you have given them. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for all those who are grieving losses of all kinds. Lord God, we pray that we would remember 
with great love those people you have placed in our lives who have been a witness of your love and mercy, who have given us the example of following you, that we could be like them in the goodness that is shown forth in their lives. Help us, Lord, as we remember. Bring comfort to us as we feel that love. Pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, for all of our veterans and all of their families. We pray that you would bless them and touch them. We pray that you would bring healing into their lives in whatever way it is needed. We pray, Lord God, that as a nation, we would remember to honor these people for all that they have done for us. that we as a nation would remember to take good care of those who have served to take good care of us. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for the elections coming up on Tuesday. We just ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that we set aside any ideas that we might have, notions we might have, and that we would seek your will. That each of us, as members of the body of Christ, would seek to be led by your Spirit to know what we're supposed to be doing when we get to the polling place. And Lord God, don't let it stop there. Remind us by your Spirit. Quicken our minds to recall that we need to be praying for the government officials that lead this nation, that lead our communities each and every day. Help us to remember to support them in prayer, to ask for your blessing upon them. Lord God, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would bless us as we hear your word. That it would transform us as it washes over us. To teach us how to follow your ways. Lord God, we pray for Pastor Tom and for the message that you have given to him, that it would be a blessing to him and to us. And we ask, Lord God, that all of our worship this morning would be a blessing to you. We did not come for ourselves, Lord. We did not come to be blessed. We came to be a blessing. A blessing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Everybody. <laughs> Our reading this morning is found in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 2, and the verses will be 1 to 12. 
When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. Now you yourself know what Joab, son of Zariah, did to me, what he did to the two commanders of Israel's armies, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether. He killed them, shedding their blood in peacetime as if in battle. And with that blood, he stained the belt around his waist and the sandals on his feet. Deal with him according to your wisdom, but do not let his gray head go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Barzilla of Gilead, and let them be among those who eat at your table. They stood by me when I fled from your brother Absalom. And remember you have with you Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Behurim, who called down bitter curses on me the day I went to Mahanam. When he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death by the sword, but now do not consider him innocent. You are a man of wisdom. You will know what to do to him. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, seven years in Hebron, and 33 in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Barbara. Well, we're coming to the end of this sermon series on the life of David. David, who was king of Israel, started out as a shepherd boy and then slowly became king, the great king over Israel. And we've learned lessons from his life, and now we have one last lesson from him as he faces his death. Boy, endings. They're interesting when you come to the end. Two more days, and it's done. Praise the Lord that you have an opportunity on Tuesday to express your opinion. You know, this week is also the week that we celebrate the sacrifice that our veterans make. Some of them sacrifice their time, their effort, their careers, their lives. Some of them actually die in service of their country. When we say we're not going to vote or we don't care about that or it doesn't matter to us, we say we don't care what they've done and who they've been. I'm not going to tell you who I think you ought to vote for, but I will tell you I think you ought to go out and vote. If for no other reason than to respect the people who've gone before us to give us this opportunity that we take for granted. It's a hard thing sometimes to face the sacrifices people make 
Some people have died in the service of their country. Our faith is established around a symbol of death. We see crosses and we see a beautiful wooden cross or a marble cross or a gold cross, but when the cross first came out as a symbol of Christianity, to the Roman world, it was a symbol of a cruel and evil death. A death meant for criminals. For us to have any sense of it, it would be like hanging an electric chair up there as our symbol of faith. Because you see, the, the sacrifice Jesus made in dying was to free us from sin and from death. Romans in chapter 4 says to us, he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. It's important to know what we would be willing to die for. It's just as important to know what we're willing to live for. In this passage, David says, I'm going the way that everyone goes. Or in other words, I'm about to die. You know, that it is true that most everyone dies, but there's two people in the Bible who never died. Anybody know who they were? Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven, and Enoch walked with God and was no more. So there's two people out of the billions of people, and you've got that, that tiniest little percentage of possibility, but most likely, just like David, you'll face your death. And when we face our death, we have to live into what our life has meant. Soldiers are willing to die for what they believe in, for a purpose. And Jesus died not just for the sake of dying, because it meant something. They have something quite clearly in common.
thoughts form my life, one thoughts form my soul. There's only two people who's ever died for me. soldiers who are willing to die. And Jesus, who went to the cross. My father was a, a hero, bonafide hero, fought in the big war, World War II. Also served in Korea. And then he came home and spent 40 years running into burning buildings as a firefighter. It's an interesting thing to grow up in the household of a hero. David was a hero. And here he's sitting with his son, Solomon, to pass on some wisdom, something special to share with him. It's an interesting thing. I've talked with a number of military people. My brother was career Air Force, and I've known a number of people since my wife was in the Air Force. I have not met anyone who serves in our armed services that's afraid to die. But sometimes they're afraid that they're going to die and it won't mean anything. I don't know about you, but that's one of the concerns I have when we see our soldiers in some of these wars. You just wonder, was there sacrifice for a purpose? We've been looking at our little closet of anxieties and phobias, and today I want to talk about the fear of darkness. Yeah, you ever go into a dark hallway or a dark place and you get the eebie-jeebies, you know what I mean? You're kind of like freaking out. You feel like things are all around you and scaring you and spooking you. I want to talk about a different darkness. I want to talk about a darkness of meaninglessness, of having no purpose, of having existed, but your life is so empty that it really doesn't matter whether you were there or not. Veterans, in many ways, are, are heroes. But we have a lot of heroes in life that we can associate with. David himself was a veteran. He started out as a soldier in the army, rose to the rank of general, and eventually became commander-in-chief as he was made king over all of Israel. He knew what it was like to risk his life, but he didn't die in battle. Neither did my father die. They lived. And sometimes living is just as hard. He was a shepherd boy, after all. What did he know about being a king? A boy who was, was left out in the field to watch a few sheep and not considered much of anyone for most of his upbringing now spends 40 years rolling over a nation. In some ways, we've learned that David was a pretty good guy, kind of a role model, did, did those, those, those heroic and special and great things where we could learn and model our lives after him. Other places, pretty much a disaster. Messed up. In some ways, we wouldn't want anybody to emulate. 
But the one thing about David that we always saw is it says that he was a man after God's own heart. Here we now see David at the end of his life. He's with his son, and he's, he's, he's going to share his last words. You don't get intimate moments like that too often in the Bible. What's the legacy that he's going to leave? What would we want our last words to be as we're talking to our children at the last moment? I've had the privilege of being in the company of people, some of them people you know, as they share their last thoughts, their last concerns, their last words. I've never heard anybody say, boy, I wish I would have worked longer. If I could have just made a lot more money. If I would have won America's Got Talent. I always find it fascinating, you know, the people who will say when they, when, when they win one of those contests, this is the greatest day of my life. And I'm thinking, you haven't lived very long then. Because the things that sometimes we consider to be the great successes of life, and they are important, are not what we think of at that moment. David not only ruled a kingdom, he created an empire. At the time, it was, it was the greatest empire in the region, maybe in the world. He was a powerful, successful man, but he didn't say anything about that to Solomon. He started out by saying, do what God wants. Do what God wants you to do. In verse 3, he said, observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and commands. His laws and regulations is written on the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do wherever you go. Do the right thing. Because the laws of God are designed, if you follow them, to make your life happier, healthier, and better. If you live your life without God, you're going to have less of a healthy life. And if you go against his rules, you actually go against your own self-value. God didn't make rules to make you hurt. He made rules to make you happy and blessed. And David wants to leave that for his son. In the next verse, he says, leave a legacy for your children. Do this so that you might keep the promise God made to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you'll never fail to have a successor on the throne. Leave something for your children and your children's children and their children to follow. Something that matters. Leave a legacy in this world to where your life made a difference for generations to come. In the people you know, in your children, in your friends, in their children, and the people that surround us. And David knew that it was by loving the Lord his God with all his heart and soul, that this would happen. Then I like verse 2 where he says, man up. Man up, boy! You got to understand a little bit about what was going on here. See, David was raised a rugged kind of shepherd kind of guy out there in the field, fending for himself, fighting off bears and lions and all sorts of things. Solomon was raised in the, in the uh, palace. Solomon was raised you know, pampered and taken care by all kinds of servants, never, as far as we know, fought on the battlefield. He's about 14, 15 years old, and his father's looking at him and said, you little soft boy, time to man up. 
Now, that might sound a little sexist, and I imagine it does. We have to remember the area it was written in, but, but honestly, we need some people in our culture that will man up. We need some men to be men, some women to be women, some people to be brave, some people who are willing to stand for who and what they're supposed to be and not hide and wimp around and complain, oh, it's so hard on me, oh, it's so terrible, life's so bad. You know, we're, we're <laughs> well, it, it, it's true. It's true, isn't it? You got, you got, you got uh, uh, Solomon, who's got the potential to become a whiny little brat. Well, we act like that as a culture. We, we live in a great world. Oh, my gosh. For those of you who are young, you have no idea, maybe, how, how wonderful this world is. It's very good. Compared to 98% of the people of the world, compared to the world I grew up in, this is a great world, a great life. We need to be wise, he said. We need to face our problems, not avoid what we have to do. Be good to those who are good to you. Watch out for these people who are kind of deceptive and look good but really aren't. He uses Joab as a, as a prime example. Now, we've mentioned Joab before, but so that you understand, Joab was, was David's general. He came up with David. As David was becoming a king, Joab was the man who led his army. And Joab was the one that when, when David wanted to, to have that little incident with Uriah, he sent Uriah into battle. Joab did whatever he felt would help David and would help himself. And you see, David saw that. So when it looked like Abner, the rule of the, the, the general of Israel's army, might take Joab's place, Joab murdered him. Later on, when, when his cousin Amasa was actually named by David to be the general to replace Joab, Joab found him too and gave him the knife while he embraced him. And even though David had given an order not to kill his son, who's the one who killed his son? Joab. Joab killed Absalom too. So David says, you got to watch out for these people. There's people out there that might come across as good, but they're not. And you have to learn how to discern between the ones who are always loyal and faithful, even when it doesn't help them, like his family that helped me out when I was on the run, and the people that are only there for themselves. He gave practical advice to his son, Solomon. We need to learn how to give practical advice as well. My father was a hero, but it wasn't because he died. It was because he lived. He lived to be the kind of person that I needed, somebody who would teach me some of the rules of life. He taught me to work hard, spend less money than I make. That's an important one. He taught me how to discern people you can trust, to take care of your family. He also taught me to bring joy wherever I go. You know, not to whine and complain about everything, but to look at situations even when they're difficult and smile and laugh and try to make other people feel that joy and that laughter and that blessing too. He taught me to be generous. He taught me a lot about life. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes says, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. 
Some of you know it as cast your bread upon the waters and it will return to you after many days. What you put out there is what you'll receive. If you want to know why you're surrounded by angry, whiny, complaining people, it's because probably you're a whiny, angry, complaining person. I'm sorry, there's some truth to this. I went to listen to a, a fellow who's an expert in counseling talk about this election, and he said the problem isn't with the candidates, it's with the people who are electing them. If we put joy and blessing and hope and peace and love and patience, goodness into the world around us. I'm not going to promise you you'll never have problems, but you'll have a lot more of it come your way. And if all you do is complain and you're miserable and sometimes heroes teach us how to live. But Christianity is based on a man who died on a cross. And we also want to live to the Christ's death doesn't turn out to be for nothing. People are not perfect. They have their good things. They have their bad things. David had his faults. He wasn't perfect in every way. He did the best that he could to give advice to Solomon. But how we live will be known oftentimes by when we die. I've had the misfortune that my wife and I have buried all our parents. They've all gone. So we got the pleasure of going through all their stuff. It's not a pleasure, believe me. Okay? Parts of it are. You learn things. I found out I'm Scottish. I didn't know I'm Scottish. <laughs> How about that? I should have known by the family name Stuart. But, you know, some things don't go in so quick. You find out some fascinating things about your parents. You find out some troubling things about your parents. You learn that they should have put some stuff away or cleaned up some mess or taken care of some issue or, or gotten rid of some things that you should never have had to see. It's true. They share with us values by who and what they were when we look at their past. I remember going through my mother-in-law's checking account, and you could see that she was writing checks to everybody in the world. I never knew this woman was sending out so many generous checks to all kinds of people, family, friends, charitable organizations. Everywhere you look, my mother-in-law is writing checks to people. I didn't know that. Why would I know that? There's good things you learn, and there's things that, well, aren't quite so good. What do we leave as a legacy? And by the way, think about that. Why do you have anything in your life, in your home, that anyone would be embarrassed to find? It's hard. David wasn't perfect. None of us are. But in the end, he was a man after God's own heart. Remember, in verse 2 to 4, it said this. I want to read it one more time. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, so be strong. Act like a man. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him, keep his decrees and commands, his laws, regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you might prosper in all that you do, wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you'll never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. 
How do we honor God and his sacrifice? Partly, it's by living a life so that where the people around us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, the folks in our lives, they will see that we're a person after God's own heart. Solomon saw it. He saw that his father cared about God more than anything else. What will they find out about you? That you've spent more money on your backyard grill than on the church? That you put more time into seeing whether the Bills could, could win the Super Bowl? Or whether you can make friends and relationships that would last a lifetime? Would they see that you were selfish and worried about yourself or that you noticed the people were hurting and poor and struggling in life? What will people see about us that will show and demonstrate that Jesus didn't die without purpose, but he died to give us life in this world and in the next? There's a little parable Jesus tells. It's very small. He says that there was a man who was wandering around in a field and he found a treasure, a great treasure. And he covered it up and he went and sold everything he owned so he could buy that field, and then he won the treasure. Now, when we read that story, we picture this like big, you know, pirate treasure chest. Oh, it was all silver and gold and everything. But the, but the treasure is not that. The treasure is a life with God here and a life with God in the world to come. That's what the treasure is, is that we have God in our lives, that we live for this life and we live for the life to come. After all, the purpose of this life is. But we also have to live this life as well. You know, some people ask me somewhere along the line, they said, you know, in most churches, that church doesn't quite fit this, but in most churches, you look around, you see a lot of gray-haired people. They say, why is that? I said, because those people know that they got to study for their final exams. They're coming pretty soon. You know? <laughs> when you're young, you don't think about that. Man, I'm going to live forever. But at a certain point, you start to realize that ain't going to happen. I got to get ready. I got to prepare for that day. Because that day will come. And we're going to face the darkness of eternity or the blessings of glory. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 15, it says, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory. We, we love to talk about victory. We love to be winners. Last, yesterday afternoon, my alma mater, Cleveland Hill, won the championship. Yeah, go Eagles. And for many of you who went to Star Point, you lost. Now, fortunately, they weren't playing each other. I wasn't happy you lost. I don't want to, I would have loved to have gotten up here and said, they both won! But they did. And that's hard. But I have to tell you, I, I played sports in school. And the best lesson I learned from my coaches was not how to win, but how to get back up when you lose. That's a real lesson we need to learn. People who are successful are people who learn how to fail forward and get back up again. 
And that life let life break him. My mother, as many of you know, had polio when she was in her early 20s. My wife reminded me it was on Halloween. I didn't know that until she told me that. And she was paralyzed. I mean paralyzed. Now, in that day and age, if you are paralyzed as a woman, most of the time your husband would leave you. You couldn't do anything. Who's going to raise your children? What kind of life are you going to have? I've never had to deal with something that catastrophic to my physical health. As much as I've struggled like all of you with something, can you imagine being paralyzed? My, my mother didn't live into that. She figured out a way to start moving again so that she only had one leg paralyzed when she was done. My father didn't give up on her or leave her. And I was the first child born to her after she had polio. She had three of us. Listen, that's what women often did in that culture. But she was not only an excellent mother and showed me how to get up again and do that, and some of you saw her walk into the sanctuary with those crutches. She also rode a bicycle. She skied. She held down a job. She did stuff that people who are broken like that aren't supposed to do. They're supposed to quit and give up. And so you learn. Never to let anything break you. As tragic as it may seem. Jesus died. You know, Satan thought he had the victory over him. He was sure that, that, that he had won. But God took defeat to create victory. God took a death on a cross to bring about life. God was willing to go through the pain and the struggle and the, and the, and the troubles that came from a crucifixion so that he could live as, with a legacy. Don't let Jesus die so that your life becomes about living for things that don't really matter. Don't make your life an empty black hole. Make it something worth living. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make us holy, let us live to make men free. For God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah.
come and confess. God is loving and gracious and will forgive us and we can be in right relationship with him. So let us pray together. Lord, we have sinned. We've not always followed your ways. We've not always made you a priority. We've gotten off track. We've followed the wrong things. We've not always loved you with our whole heart. And we've not always been loving to others. Forgive us, Lord. Fill us with your peace. Fill us with your peace. Fill us with your mercy. Give us a life of meaning. Give us a life that is a blessing to others. Give us your love as we praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for each and every one of us while we were still sinners. This proves God's love for you and for me. So in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
trusted in the trial and the change. One thing remains. This one thing remains. Our God is so great, so full of glory, so amazing, beyond anything we can imagine, and yet God wants us to be with him. God wants to bless us. God wants to fill us with everything that God knows we need to be the people God has called us to be. Amen? When we come to the table, 
we can be filled with the blessings of God. We can be filled with the presence of God in a way that is new every time. So come to the table this morning. Come expecting to receive. You are welcome. If you love God, repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are welcome to come to the table this morning. Even if it's your first time here, even if it's the first time you've been in any church, if you seek to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you come and receive this morning. Receive all God has for you. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of Miriam and Moses, God of Joshua and Deborah, God of Ruth and David, God of the priests and prophets, God of Mary and Joseph, God of the apostles and the martyrs, God of our mothers and our fathers, God of our children to all generations. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died that we might live, who came and lived so that we might know how to face death. He gave to us his wisdom. He left with us a legacy. He shared with us how to take the broken and made it whole. And thy night in which he was betrayed, night he was denied. He took and gave us this meal, this memorial. Taking the bread, he gave thanks to God. He broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you for the forgiveness of sin. Eat of this, remembering me. Then when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to God. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink of this, remembering me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of Christ, Christ has died, died. Christ, Christ is, is risen, risen. Christ, Christ will, will come, come again. again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with all your saints, especially those whom we name before you. Sharon Appleton, Jesse Bell, Dick Calhoun, and Joey Fox. Ray Herbert, Pauline Hostetler. Cheryl Jennett, and Margaret Kanzak. Donald Cromhart, 
Nancy Cromhart, Norbin Kubiak, and Terry Laverne, Rita McDonald, and Scott McDonald, Bruce McIntyre, and Travis Neese, Albert Patterson, Richard Reimer, Harold Rubens, and Kurt Schreiber, Warren Schreiber, Susan Schwartz, James Shimwell, and Bud Thompson, Norma Whitty. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, strengthen us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as confident children of God, let's pray as he taught us and say, Our, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For those who are assisting at the table, come forward at this time, please. this table, table because we're perfect. We come to this table because we know we're not. And it's here we meet the God that can take our brokenness and make it whole. Come and join us. You're welcome. You're invited by God himself. to Come and be blessed at the table, at the rail for prayers for healing, to light a candle. Come and join us with the Lord.
Now, if you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we're going to sing together for all the saints. told that the uh, sirens were for a fire over at our sister church at Good Shepherd. So let's have a blessing. Dear God, we pray for the people of Good Shepherd that this fire might be a minor one, that anyone in danger might be made safe, that you'll help the people who are fighting the fire to be safe, and that you'll bless them and care for them in their time of need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We didn't come to this place by ourselves. There were parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, and parents of their parents, of parents of parents back to the day before we can remember, who shared with their children and their children's children and the children after that about God so that they wouldn't lose this heritage that we have received. So 
so that Jesus might not die in vain, and that our lives might have value here and in the hereafter. Go and become a part of that cloud of witnesses, sharing with all those around you what God means to you. Go in his peace and his blessing, and then the Lord always be with you.